Welcome and thank you for joining Save Our Sisters Unplugged. If you're looking for a sisterhood of intelligent women to network with, then this is a podcast for you. We'll be letting our hair down and spilling all the tea on an array of topics and gain insight into what women really think. My name is Noreen Foy and I'll be your host. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Today's guest needs no introduction as she wears many hats. She is an award-winning CEO and global motivational speaker, actress, author, celebrity TV host, and prominent health and fitness icon. And she is also the founder and CEO of Spin Gym, to name a few. It is my honor to introduce the queen of pitch herself, Dr. Forbes Riley. Welcome, sis. Well, hello, my girl. I like that you actually really did bring flowers. Yes. Listen, I come with it. I love it. Well, it's nice to see you and everybody here on your podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I saw you in the clubhouse room and you were just spitting your gift of gab as you do. And I was like, oh, man, you know what? This lady is really saying something that's speaking to my spirit. You were talking about... Basically, stop sitting on your butt. Nothing's going to change unless you do. If you want your business to change, get up and do it. Get motivated and get going. And I was like, I have to inbox her. <laughs> and I responded. Don't you just you love it? Well, you know, I'm going to show you something that we can't see in Clubhouse. And that's what I love about the Zoom platform. So can you see that purple over there? Take a look I at that. Can. This is just for your audience who may never have really watched me on television. Watch this. Let's do it up for Forbes, Riley. The reason you don't have what you want is you don't know what it is. I've grossed $2.5 billion by tweaking people's pitches on infomercials. You hear things differently than I do. I hear money every time somebody talks. I hear enrollment engagements. Hi, I'm Forbes Wiley, and today we've got a great product for you. Take a look at that. He's got me. He's got me working out of, what are these called? It's called a spin gym. He launched her multi-million dollar company by mortgaging her house and her kids' education fund. She knew it was going to happen. I think pitch is everything. I don't care what kind of product that you've got. If you don't know how to pitch or articulate it, you will go nowhere. I coach CEOs of Fortune 100 companies who have stood there and told me, Forbes, you'll pitch my company better than my marketing team. You don't get to sit home and wait for the phone to ring. No, it doesn't really work that way. You write down action steps. You get a mentor. You find someone who's done what you've done, and you ask them how they did it. And that's a really good place to stop. You ask them how they did it with a mentor who's done it before. Exactly. You can't see that on Clubhouse. It's cool, right? Yeah. I, you know what? Clubhouse is just good because, you know, I'm an introvert, but I have a lot to say. So I, I put myself out there. <laughs> well, I just but I love it. I don't have to wear makeup. I like the idea. I can just talk. That part, that part. I did the eyebrows for you, so I don't. <laughs> you look gorgeous. Thank you. So do you and your pink. Your lips and your shirt match. I love it. Oh, that's funny. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to hold you. So let's get started. We have a lot to cover. So you have seen and done so much throughout your life. Tell me about your journey, starting from, you know, maybe when you were a young girl, just coming up and being impressionable. How did everything start for you? Do you have like five weeks for me to tell you that story? I do. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I will tell you, what I share about my story is that when you look at me, you see one thing, how I grew up was very, very much different. I grew up as an ugly, awkward, goofy kid. I had 
very mad black teeth. I had a tongue thruster in my mouth for Korea to talk like death. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was very, I had frizz, frizzy hair and I didn't have any friends. I couldn't communicate for two years of my life. Uh, and then I tell the story that my dad, who was a mechanic who built printing presses, slipped one day and he cut off the entire front of his hand. Oh, my goodness. And he spent three years in the hospital, 15 operations, and that was my high school. And so I had this very awkward, traditionally lonely existence, and I was fine with that. I was a smart kid. I loved television, and I loved my parents. Uh, but one day, my mom said, you know, we have no money for college. And that was the only thing I was looking forward to. And we're in the hospital, and my mom said, you know, there's this beauty pageant. I'm like, yeah, we looked at each other. And in those days, Marsha Brady was pretty with her blonde hair and her cute little nose, and I obviously wasn't. And my dad's doctor said, I'm going to fix your nose for you. I know that sounds really silly, but I will tell you, if somebody's brave enough to step up and help you, say yes. Because within days, I looked in the mirror, and there I was, and I had a cute little nose, and I said to my family, I'm going to give it a shot, and I'm going to go for this, this pageant, which, by the way, was on national television, on NBC with Bob Hope. Oh, and wow. I Yeah, I know, right? And there I am in the mall at 16 years old in a hand-me-down bridesmaid's dress, and I won the state, and then I went on to the nationals. Wow. And to have a dream like that when you're... It's the beginning of my manifestation concept that if you hold something to be true and you can truly visualize it and you take all the actions to make it come true, it happens. Now, it may not happen in your time as a thing called God's time, but so far I've crafted a lot of miracles by all intents and purposes. And in fact, Nareen, we call it in my world, we call it Forbesing it. Mm -hmm. What have you Forbesed lately? And that means to manifest something, to make it come true when all your friends and all your family said, oh, who do you think you are? Well, I'm going to tell you, you are who you think you are. You are who your self-talk tells you you are. And you can wake up in the morning and like you said, I'm an introvert. Or you can say, that's a label. I'm just kind of quiet. Or forget labeling yourself at all. And when you, my daughter taught me this. This is the craziest thing. She's 19 years old. She runs a multi-million dollar company for the last two years. 19. Awesome. I know. She was talking in one of my classes not long ago. And I never heard anyone say this. She said she wakes up in the morning, she looks in the mirror on the way to the bathroom, and she says, McKenna, because that's her name. And she said, when you talk to yourself, call yourself your name, because that's your, you talking to your subconscious. It's McKenna, you're beautiful. You look great. You're amazing. I love you. And I said, why do you do that? She said, because then I don't spend the rest of my day fishing for compliments from other people, because I already got I the ones I needed. I love it. I love it. I love it. Right? I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to put it right on the mirror. Noreen, you are yeah, going to change somebody's life today. <laughs> no, 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 no. You say, Noreen, you're beautiful. Don't people say you look good today? Say you look good today. You look good today. I do look good today. Right? And why can't if you do? I know that sounds, look at you going, all right. <laughs> you're so right. I remember when I used to get dressed for high school, like you'd want to get a compliment. You look good. I was a little skinny kid. People used to call me bamboo because I was so skinny. So I, I was definitely bullied and. And people talked about my appearance, too. So I, I can totally relate to where, where you're going with that. You know what bamboo is, though, by the way, right? Bamboo is very strong. Well, but it's a plant. It's a tree that when they put the seeds in the ground, it doesn't grow for five years. Can you imagine watering a plant that doesn't grow for five years? None of us would be that patient. But yeah. there's bamboo farmers. And then one day, boom, that's mm -hmm. you. That's you. I think that's how I actually grew up, actually. I, I think I was an ugly duckling for a very long time. And right, daughter is right. You know, you have to really speak life into yourself because other than that, you know, you're going to be hanging on everybody else's words all the time. 
And it's yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> so when did you realize that acting was something that you wanted to do after you've done the pageantry? You just, what, just slid right into it? So it's a funny thing. I just had this dream that I could be anybody other than me, which is a good thing if you want to be an actress because you're technically anybody other than yourself. Exactly. Now, here's the problem with that. I was a dancer. I loved to tap dance and jazz dance, but I can't sing at all. And every year in my school, we would do two to three musicals a year. I would audition and I would always get the chorus. I would get third townsperson from the left. I never got a character that had any lines or that mattered at all. But in my head, I had the lead. I was always the lead. And talk about how hard that must have been right on my head. I went to college to be a lawyer after the pageant. I did get money for college. And while I was there, I, uh, I was already also very young. I studied a lot. I ultimately graduated with two degrees in just three years. That means you have no social life. My senior year, I auditioned for a play because I love to audition now. And it was Shakespeare's As You Like It, the biggest female character he wrote. And I auditioned and I went to look at the call board and there's the call sheet and I'm looking at the bottom going, all right, which townsperson am I going to be? And my name's not there. Oh, no. And I had a moment where I thought, oh, you got to be kidding me. That's how bad I am. Really? Damn it. Then I said, well, who got the lead in this? Because it was a really cool part. And I look at the very top. Her character's name is Rosalind. Holy shit. That's my name was right next to it. Oh. And I went to the professor, David Richmond, and I said, excuse me. Um, are you sure? Because that's never happened before. And it's Shakespeare. And I don't even know if I can do all of Shakespeare. He said, he sat me down and he said, let me tell you something. He said, you are the epitome of what I've always wanted to play this character. And he went on to tell me all these amazing things about me that only I had known. The strength, my communication skills. Here's the crazy thing about Professor David Richmond. Talk about looks and things. He was 100% legally blind. He couldn't see anything. He never saw any of the things that everybody else saw. And because of his belief in me and the way he spoke into me and the success of that play, I called my parents and I said, I love you guys very much. I know we spent a lot of money on this college thing. I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm going to New York to be an actress. Mm. And my mom was like, oh, wow. I'm like, no, no, no. She's like, we can't help you. I'm like, I know, but you're not mad. She's like, no, go live your dream. I go to New York City. And I will tell you what, at a tiny, tiny, tiny little piece of somebody's room in an apartment that I stayed in, I landed the lead in my very first feature film. Wow. The film is called Splatter University. It's still around today. It's a cult classic. And I star in it. And I, from then on, it was, that's all I wanted to do. Now, because that's what I wanted to do, I hit unbelievable roadblocks. I was in a world where people were this skinny. I was on a soap opera called As the World Turns. I, I was with that one. I was with Meg Ryan and Julianne Moore, both very successful. They were really tiny, and I looked like this. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with the phone if you don't see the pen, but I was bigger. And so they sent me to Overeaters Anonymous. I got berated for how big I, I was, like maybe 35 pounds overweight. At some point, I was willing to die to go have liposuction just to get, I just couldn't, I didn't fit in. Wow, that's so terrible. And that the industry really used to really promote that for women. Oh my gosh. Body was, shaming. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, and I persisted anyway. Turns out I was really weirdly talented. Not only did I do movies and television, but I started to cross soap operas. And then I moved to Los Angeles and I got the job hosting the Laugh Factory in Los Angeles. My job for three years was to host Ellen DeGeneres, Jerry Seinfeld, Robin Williams, the Wayan Brothers, and all the other major... 
I'm not even that funny, but I, <laughs> then I hosted a national radio show where I interviewed Sting, Foreigner, Clapton, Journey. And I kept like, do they know that I'm not like, I don't know anything about music. And then I don't know anything about sports either. I helped create the X Games with Stuart Scott for ESPN. Now, if you believe, first, how did you do all that? It's because I'm relentless. I just, at right. some point, I have a very powerful communication skill. Nobody saw your imposter syndrome either. Well, that's a whole nother story. Uh -oh. but, well, no, but you know, I can't wait. To, so you can just watch the movie of my life because I think it's pretty cool. In my 20s, when I see there's all kind of things now that seem so relevant 40 years later. When I was in my 20s, obviously was pretty cute. I got chased around a lot of desks. No one ever believed there was a thing called Me Too that agents who would invite me to lunch didn't invite me to the local restaurant, but their hotel room. And you're like, what's wrong? This is not good. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of rules. I never succumbed. Now, I'm not putting down my actor friends who did because a lot of people got forced into a lot of things. But I had a very strong sensibility about who I am. But at some point, couldn't get an agent. So you know what I did? I found out how agents worked. I got a piece of stationery. That's how old this was. Put CMA, Creative Management for Artists. And I hired a woman named Lindsay Maxwell. Now, this is in the days of voice. Uh, you have to leave a voice message. There were no voice recorders. There was no, there were no cell phones. And I hired a woman who was British, and, and she thought Forbes Riley was just spectacular. Oh, she'd get on the phone. No, you've got to see this woman. She's just over the top, blah, blah, blah. Well, I was Lindsay Maxwell. I was my own manager for three years. You want to talk about schizophrenic? Oh, wow. That's interesting. I booked more commercials. I booked a Broadway show opposite Christopher Reeve. I pitched me like nobody's business. Wow. I know. And I also never wanted to tell the story because I didn't want anyone to like talk about imposter. I was really impostering. Okay. Right. Well, but they didn't know that. They didn't have to know any of that. All they knew was Forbes Riley shows up, she's on time and she's fabulous. And I'm glad that you were able to navigate that scene because like you said, the Me Too movement is now a huge thing now. Um, and I was gonna ask you if you were actually involved in any of that, but you just managed to just pretty much dance your way right around all well, of that. You know, just to put this in context, because I get people looking at me going, Forbes, really? Now, everything that I say or have done, believe it or not, is either on photos or in YouTube because I love telling the story. Mm -hmm. uh, that was me. And I'm not sure if you can see that. But I that can. Yeah. So if you go back one, let me see if I can. Oh, you can I go back here? So this is the whole braces thing. So there I was with this big gap in my teeth and it's full circle. Eight years I had braces though. And then they put this thing in my mouth. And that's why I couldn't try for two years. Okay. And then I broke my nose. I got hit in the face with a baseball bat. I'm overweight, frizzy hair. I don't look like anybody else. And there's my beautiful dad who slipped in that machine. And that's how oh, he yeah. hurt his hands. Right. And so I'm in the hospital with my mom and she says, you know, because back then this was pretty. Yeah. I was not, right? That was it. You and I were not even in the running for pretty because we didn't nope. look like that. And then when she broke her nose, she didn't go to the prom because she was ugly. And I'm like, damn it, I must be ugly because, right? <laughs> yeah, the messages, right, these not the messages we put in our head, you know, you're not the cute blonde, you must not matter. You're not Barbie. And when my dad's doctor fixed my nose, this is kind of crazy to read. I woke up a few days later and this girl right here, who knew that one nose and a set of braces could change your life? I'm telling and I, you. Right. And I had enough wherewithal to bridesmaid's dress, hand me down. That's the night that I won. 
And I remember, like I said, I'm really glad I took pictures. And there I am on TV with Bob Hope. And by the way, not the best week of my life. Because in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1977, they'd never seen anybody who didn't look like them. Mm. Y'all have the funniest accent I ever heard. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I don't have an accent. I'm like from New York. What's wrong with these people? Oh, that's how I talked. Right, that was my... Whoa, okay, that mixed with a couple of other things. It was a lot of prejudice going on. There's Mr. Bob Hope. And I certainly tried my best, but wow, did not fit in at all. And that was me graduating. I graduated college. My beautiful mom was always overweight, 260 pounds. And a lot of the reason that I do what I do is I love that woman more than anything else on the planet. She was had a tough childhood. And then when I was 15, she got held up at the house at gunpoint and they stole everything in our house and ransacked it for two hours. And they just shattered my beautiful mom. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Right. So I lived through a lot of crazy shit. And I just wanted to be that woman. I wanted to be Raquel Welch, Stephanie Powers. I wanted to matter. And I wanted it so bad that I forced it into existence. And like I said earlier, this is what Forbesing it is. And so, yeah, I had some interesting Me Too moments. um, But I also, you know, and this is crazy. I look, I got, I was mildly successful working actress, but I never got to the Oscar level casting couches with Harvey Weinstein as the gatekeeper of all those movies that I wanted to be in. Right. And I got to go, you know, that's pretty cool that you didn't have to, because who knows what would have happened. So I kept my dignity intact, but I will tell you something else that I do want to have be a television series. In my twenties, I created a, co-created a company called Stripogram. We're in in public. I delivered singing and stripping telegrams. I was the cutest little stripper you've ever seen. I had, (laughs) no, that's why I want this to be, you have to see. (laughs) I'm sure you were the cutest one. I I have to see this. Well, here's the funny thing about this. I got to go into men's offices, CEOs of companies, heads of magazines, and their wife or girlfriend or secretary had hired me. So I go in and pretend that I'm there for a job or an interview or something. And after about 15 minutes of my acting skills in real life, pretty much a prank, I take out my little tape recorder and I say, God, you know, there's something I'd like to have you listen to on tape recorder. Now, by the way, back then, not this big, the boom boxes were this big. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I would press it and it would go, da 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 and I would go, happy birthday, Noreen, it's your birthday. And I would sing that. they go, oh, that's so cute. I got a singing telegram. And then it would go. And under my cute little outfit, I had 12 layers of under of garments, of little tap pants and slips and bra. No nudity, no sex, no touching. And I had my own little sense of power over men for 10 years and I made a fortune. Awesome. I love it. I love that. Fun story, right? It is a it is a very fun story. You know what's interesting about this? is that there was nobody to tell this to back then. There was no YouTube, no podcast. No one's going to put me on a morning talk show for this. And so for a long time, I kept all of my stories to myself. And it has been an amazing journey to share. I didn't know that everybody didn't live a life like this. Uh, Probably the most remarkable story of a life well-led. Everybody wants me. I'm actually doing a big clubhouse room after this because I love clubhouse. One of my all-time favorites where we met. Um, that allows me to tell stories and not have to put on makeup. Exactly. And I'm probably going to be in that room too, because I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, well, for the next four hours, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to say. We're going to teach pitching. 
So here's the bottom line. But Jake of Body by Jake found me in 1991 and had me do something. Had me sell me this pen. Okay. Every other actress sold the pen by saying it's a felt pen with a black tip. Blah, blah, blah. That's how they sell it, right? Mm-hmm. I came along. I don't like selling. I thought it was a joke. I looked right in the camera and said, huh. You know, it's a funny thing about pens. When I was young, I went up to college at just 16, and my mother used to write me these longhand notes in purple ink. I would run to the mailbox every morning because it felt like home. And I realized a pen like this can reach out and touch somebody's heart. Well, Jake of Body by Jake came out from behind the camera. He grabbed my face. You're going to make me a lot of money. (laughs) And for the next five years, I pitched and sold on a cable network called Fit TV every health and wellness product that came along. Mm-hmm. And we literally created the idea of selling products on television before infomercials, before QVC and HSN even started. I've been around a while. Yes, you have. You have seen a lot. And I want to just rush back to the acting career just a smidge. We're just going to touch on it just a little bit because I want to ask you something. Okay, so obviously the entertainment industry is mostly male-dominated. How was it becoming a female producer? Was that something that was challenging for women at the time? Because, you know, we always need male allies in certain things. I work for a huge corporation, and we always need male allies in order for us to push our agendas. Was that the same back then? You know, it was horrible. It was horrible because you never knew quite what to do. You know, and and this will not go away. And it's one of my platforms because as women become more CEOs and more, it doesn't much matter. If I'm in a boardroom or I'm in a meeting with two guys and they want to go play golf, I don't get to go. And you know why? Especially in my thirties, because their wives don't want me to go. Do you want your wife to go with a cute out? No, you don't. Yeah. But I would work with Kevin Harrington and other people. They'd all go playing golf. And they're like, no, Forbes, you really can't do that. I'm like, huh. I won't say who, but I was put on a massive stage recently. And I was one of the only female speakers. We're at the dinner the night before. All the speakers are there, right? And their wives. I'm the only female speaker there. Everyone else is married to somebody else. Most of the wives are gorgeous and blonde and look a little trophy. Forgive me, girls, but you do. There's a look. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Right. And all the men are there. And I'm sitting next to the help. And at some point when the big guy, and I'd like to say his name, but I can't, and his other buddies are all like smoking cigars, they're standing up talking, I go over there because I'm not, the wives and I have nothing in common. I want to talk to the speakers. And he looks at me and he's like, really, Forbes? I'm like, what? He's like, could you go talk to the girls? And I'm like, what do you do at that moment? You bow your little head, go, I'm being very respectful. And under your breath, you go, fuck, you know. And it's, I don't know that it can change at some level because I don't want to be a boy. Uh, I'm definitely a girl. I have a husband, I'm, you know, but I understand the point. I really do. And so I don't know the answer to that one. I just yeah. know that I didn't always play it right because I'm also a little shy and introverted. And I would just feel bad and go home because I never knew how close do you get? How close do you not get before somebody wants to put their arm around? It was always weird. And yeah. then there, and I'll tell you something else as a strong woman, because especially when I'm hosting a project, man, I'm out there. I mean, I was there next to George Foreman and Billy Mays and Anthony. I'm, that's me. I was much right to say and do anything I want. I think people hated me. I think they freaking hated me because I was vocal. And I think they wanted to say, can't you just be like the other women and just do it? I'm like, no. Be seen and not heard. Is that what they wanted you to do? Be seen and yeah. not heard. Well, that's pretty much it. 
And I'm sorry, but I've never been that. I've never been that either. It doesn't make you popular, but I don't know how to play the game otherwise. You know what? Work for yourself. Thank God there's a word called entrepreneurism. I own a company with my 19-year-old daughter, and I don't need anybody. Now you can't tell me what to do. Yeah, and I'm working remotely from home, and I'm trying to get to that point. So I still have to really just muzzle myself. <laughs> just a smidge, though. Because, you know, I have people that said, Noreen, I can't believe you talked to the supervisor like that. I'm like, what were two grown people? I'm supposed to just let them railroad me? Yeah, yeah. I know who butters my bread, you know, until I can butter it myself. But I know who butters my bread. I'm not going to say anything to garner insubordination. But at the same time, you're going to respect me because if you do something that I don't like, I'm going to let you know that. You know, I get a lot of respect from supervisors with being just who I am. There's a lot of lessons to be learned that we as women should teach outside of school because, and that's about male and female energy. Because even though I don't work for men, I now work with men. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they don't want to work with me, that's cool. But I've also had to learn to figure out this out. And men don't have to learn this lesson, but women do. Yeah. Here's how the lesson goes, I think. My first husband was six foot six big, masculine, amazing football player. And we had a set of twins. And six months after our twins were born, a little boy that we raised from South Central, who's black, was murdered. Oh, no. Uh, he was in my life for 12 years. He was the best man at my wedding. I never saw color. I just saw my son. Oh my, And it was pretty tragic. Uh, my ex-husband, it shattered him. For two years, he didn't move. Mm. As he came out of that, I'm starting to really work because that's what I just wanted to focus on work. I'm getting more and more famous. I would come home and we opted for a little while. We had twins that I would be the breadwinner. He stayed home. I'd come home and he's like, hey, honey, because he's also a gourmet chef. He's like, I cook dinner. Here's some food. The babies go take a bath with the babies. And then I would say at the end of the night, honey, come on, let's go to bed. He'd go, oh, I can't. I'm tired. And I have laundry. <laughs> and I had a moment. I didn't realize I was I was going through that, but I lost a little respect for him going, but I where's my man? And he was nowhere to be found. Then I come home tough and I slay the dragon and he'd had a tough day and boom. Mm. being a Gemini he's a Leo I'm a Taurus boom yes. you, know what, you know what I didn't do Noreen something that was in my power but I, no one ever told me to do this I didn't come home as a woman I didn't come home in my feminine I didn't come home it never dawned on me to come home and go hey honey you had a really tough day let me take let me do something nice for you at the end of all of our marriage he'd said something he said I just wish you'd appreciated me more I'm like dude I appreciated you all the time in my way Right. And not the way that he needed. And so I spent a lot of time understanding the scope of masculine feminine energy. And so if you're a woman in a male-dominated arena, you are better served to figure out how to leverage who you are, not because you need to be less than, but energies have energies that work well together. And if you want something, figure out what it is and then go and get it. Exactly. Yeah, I actually had a guest on that she was talking about masculine and feminine energy and how to really curve it as a woman. And you know what? I have been in a lot of relationships where I was a breadwinner and the guy was, let's just say my picker was clearly off. Now my picker is okay. Well, I actually let God do the picking this time. And I think God picked right. But coming in, like, let's say before my husband actually came into my life this second time around, I was a boss in my own world. And in order to, and I'm a Christian woman, so in order for me to let my husband lead, I had to really 
take a step back and look inside myself to see why I had a problem with that. <laughs> Sometimes I had to tell myself and I tell my daughters too, if you're going to get a helpmate, you have to let him help, which means you're going to have to compromise. You're going to have to sit back and you're going to have to let him be the man in your life. Men are wired to protect, provide. They're wired to do all the things that we don't want to do. And so we as women, we have to really learn how to balance that so that no one feels emasculated. Even if you make more money than your mate, you have to be able to communicate with him in a way that he does not feel emasculated. He's happy to just do what he needs to do. He's still working. He's still contributing to the household. And that's what I tell them. That's what I tell my girls. I have two girls, 23 and 28. So and there's that's a, what I tell them. There's a whole room about that the other day. And you really got to get that straight. I certainly make more money than my current husband. Um, and he doesn't have a problem with it. We don't have a problem with it because of the way it works is he really supports who I am as a person. But he's pretty masculine. Apparently, I'm attracted, being as tough as I am, I'm attracted to a very fit guy. My first one was 6'6". Six, six. Josh was a world champion bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. And something funny happened. When we started getting together, he said to me, because Forbes Riley is a bit of a stage name. Forbes was my last name growing up. And Francine was my first name. And he said to me, he said, you know what? I love you very, very much. But you have to leave Forbes Riley at the door. I don't need someone yelling and screaming and being in charge and the tough woman everyone loves. I want Francine in the door. I want my little girl. And I'll tell you what, when I look at the size of his arms, this is what I wanted too. I wanted. Uh, uh, well, all right. That's what I wanted, right? Well, who doesn't want that? Well, but that's a funny thing. If I didn't know better, I would have pushed him away because I, now this is interesting just to note. Two years ago, this big bodybuilder was in a horrible motorcycle accident, January 2020. Six months in a wheelchair and lost everything. Shattered his foot, his bone, his, his ribs, his back. Wakes up. I, this is the only picture we took of him all year. And he says, I'm going to be Mr. Olympia next year. And I'm like, oh, babe. Within a year, he has a very special program that he's done. It doesn't have any sit-ups, no push-ups, no pull-ups, no squats, nothing stupid. He built back his body. And... What's funny about that, he didn't win because he was on stage, and I'll see if I can find that picture, and he limped. This is a picture of him after the accident. Afterwards, he lost to this guy because his ankle was still shattered. Oh, okay. And he came back to me and said, I'm going to do it one more time. Well, about seven months ago, he won a title. Uh, he won this little title right here, Dexter, oh, where it is, there's Dexter Jackson. He's holding my spin gym. Um, and December 14th, this crazy man is going for Mr. Olympia at 45 one more time. Wow. I think he should win. I think he should win too. Like, you know, I could just, I do a lot of what I do now, Noreen, because this man loves me so much because he, um, he doesn't like to talk, which is kind of ironic. He yeah. doesn't like, he doesn't like attention. He's not really, doesn't care about social media. I have to fight to get him to put those pictures up. <laughs> the exact opposite of who and what I am. I made him make a course about what he teaches, but he's like, I, now, the other thing he does is he's a 3D graphic artist and a videographer, and he travels with me as my personal photographer and videographer, and it's like, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. Yes, you are. I, and you, But you know what? My husband is actually the same, too. He's so supportive, and yes, he doesn't have a problem with anything I do. When I first said, I want to do podcasting, I had a host in my group pre-pandemic. We were meeting in person, and you know, she was uh, talking about generational wealth and multiple streams of income. 
And she mentioned, you know, if you want some passive income, you can totally do a podcast. And the minute I brought it home, my husband was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. When you have somebody that has your back. Yes, this is not a competition. This is an us thing. Exactly. It's not a power struggle. Thank you so much. But I'll tell you, and I'm not sure how you came to that, but that's the goal. When I decided after I was, I spent 10 years just raising my kids being single and very, uh, not very happy necessarily, but, and I knew what I wanted. And I finally wrote down, like I teach in all my trainings, what I wanted. And I wanted someone who cherished me, who, when I rolled over in the morning, my hair was crappy, my mascara is on my face. And he says, oh, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. And then when I made this list, because I wasn't willing to settle, I said, I want someone who looks like he walked off the cover of a romance novel. Now, I met him in 57, you guys. That's a really important thing to know for those of you who are in your 30s and 40s and figuring it out. Yeah. Noreen and I both found somebody that makes us very, very happy. I wanted that. Yeah. That was very, that's after he won a competition before he got hurt. And the photographer, I literally took my top off, laid down on him to take a picture. And when I look, when I look at this photo, Noreen, I, I dreamed of this for maybe 10 years that somebody would hold me like that and cherish me. And when I look at the photo, I'm thinking, man, in my mind, that's what it looked like. We have a lot in common, Forbes. We do have a lot in common. I love that. I used to read a lot of romance novels and I used to just transform myself to that time because like I said, you know, I, well, I didn't tell you that, but this is your story. <laughs> I have a podcast. I'll have you on mine. Yes, there we go. I, I just grew up and I was just a loner. And so I used to just, in order for me to escape what was going on in my mind and in my current situation, I used to transform myself in these romance novels. Yes. You know, and so I'm like, I always encourage my husband because my husband does not look like Mr. Olympia just yet. But he, let me tell you. If he would quit his job and dedicate that, it would not take him long. Well, I'll tell you what, Christmas, I got a really nice, I'll give you great, great discount on this amazing program that will change his life and give him access to Joshua. Joshua doesn't have a coach. Joshua does this on his own. This man is so committed and so amazing. And I'll tell you what else the universe did for me. I needed, at this point in my life, someone to love me to make me happy so I could spend the time that I am devoting to other people. Because two years ago, I started a coaching company. 14,000 students so far, uh, 40 to 60 hours a week. It's extraordinary. I teach all the things that I want and I love Zoom. I love the platform. I own a huge television studio. I was always doing live teaching, but we've taken it to a whole nother level. And, and I'm grateful for that. So I think the world just said, you know what? If we make her happy, she'll make a lot of other people happy. Yes. And it's good to have that person um, by your side to really help you make that magic. Because if you don't have a team of people, you can't be a team of one. You cannot do it all, especially at your level. Well, you let me not do it all on your own. I was a team of one for a long time. And it sucked. I yeah. dreamed of having the kind of people I have in my life now. I'm manifesting. That's where I'm at. <laughs> all right. That's where I'm at. I'm a team of one now because I'm just starting out because, you know, now my kids are older. They're not in the wallet. And so I just turned 50 in June Woo! and I'm telling you, <laughs> I've just right. crossed over, I've crossed over. And, um, 
And I'm saying, this is my turn. This is what I want to do. I love talking to people as introverted as I am. I love talking to people, but I love people to share their stories. And my niche is women because we have been cut off from a lot for so long, sitting on the sidelines, not invited to the table, you know, not invited to the boardrooms, can't speak to the men. And so we sit in silence. And so this is why I want to be on this platform with my podcast so that we can strengthen and empower women everywhere to just share what they've been going through. Because there's a lot of women that are sitting in silence right now that think that they're alone. And we need to say, no, sis, you're not alone. We have a lot of sisters out here that have gone through hell and high water to be where they are today. And people would look at you, Dr. Forbes, and say, oh, man, she just looks like she's never been through anything. And then you'd be like, nope. It's good when you don't look like your struggles. Well, if you do, what's the point? That doesn't work. And here's the, you know, here's the crusade that I'm on. I did a lot like you were doing it. I'm very proud of you. And I love the title of your podcast, which is one reason I'm on it. I was on Clubhouse two years ago. I started to get pretty big in the speaking world, but but hit a ceiling, hit my head. And I'm looking at all my role models. And they are Jack Canfield. They were Damon John. They were Les Brown. They were Tony Robbins. They were Gary Vee. They were Zig Ziglar. They were all men. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, am I missing something here? I said that exact thing on a clubhouse one night early on in clubhouse about 2021. And the next day I got a message that says, hey, would you like to be a speaker on our platform? I'm like, well, I checked it out. All the men were there on the platform. And within a week, I should share the picture with you. There I am in the middle of all of those men. It's called Real Summits. And I've been there every month for the last two years. Mm. Uh, It has grown. It's definitely given me a huge leg up. And then uh, this January, we're going to have Deepak Chopra and Mel Robbins back. There's only 33 of us. We've been on tour every month. January is going to be half a million people registered. And in March, they just gave yesterday, me and Sharon Lecter, our own three-day women's only summit. I love it. So would love to have that conversation, let you know what's going on. Uh, Yeah, it's a huge opportunity. It's a huge, and it's funny because I'm listening to it. I'm like, we want speakers. You know, you have to have people who are a huge list or big names, but maybe they're not speaker speakers. Maybe I want to hear, I don't want to hear from people who are business owners or major CEOs, people worth hundreds of millions of dollars that you don't hear from. So I'm on the lookout to see what, how different this summit can be. Because this is a culmination of my entire life. I mean, I've raged against the lack of women role models. And it's about time that we step up. And if they can't, if I can't find women role models, then part of what we're all going to do is create them. Because we can't not have amazing women leaders. You know, even if you look at politics right now, a little confusing to me. I'm looking at all the male candidates even the two guys who are running for governor here, and they both had Hispanic women. I didn't know either one of them. I could tell Hispanic by their last name, like Ortiz and Hernandez. And I'm like, you guys are freaking filling a quota. I don't know these women. I don't know if they are powerful. I know they've gotten to a certain level where you trust them, but they're not running for governor. They're running for seat number two because they're not really established as this leader. And I still look around going, if you had to nominate a woman as a candidate right now, who would it be? Dr. Forbes Riley. <laughs> I don't know if I want that job. Uh, well, I would have if politics wasn't so weird. I like my job. My job now is could I be one of the hottest, not hottest, that's not the right word, most, influ- <laughs> most influential women speakers who is not religious, 
because you got Brene Brown and you got Paula White. You got a couple of religious uh, Joyce Myers, but I'm not preaching the Bible. Mm -hmm. I'm preaching sanity. I'm preaching spirituality across the board. I don't care what religion you are. I left that a long time ago. I lived on an awesome for a while. I got this a little bit more than all that. I don't know. How big can this go? How big can it go? So at seven, in about 15 minutes, I will be on with Jay Noland, who's been a very lovely friend. And he looked at me again on, you know, early on. And he said, how come you're not where we think you should be? And just like you realized, I spent 18 years. Now it's going to be 20 next month. Raising two babies. Yep. You were the most important things in my life. I worked primarily to make them have a great life. We have great memories. And I worked also very strategically as a parent. I gave a whole parenting lecture the other day because as a magician, a hypnotherapist, and an NLP practitioner, I had all these little games I played with my kids. And the funny thing now that they're 20, they both thank me for how I raised them. I mean, I did some crazy stuff and it's like, I taught you kids don't share. I have a mechanism for sharing. I technically raised my kids like I used to train dogs. And they're like, mom, you raise us like dogs? I'm like, no, don't talk to me that. No, 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 no. No collar, no, no. But Include the context when you tell the story. <laughs> well, there's a reward system. You know, when you say you want, what do you want? Well, I want, I want an ice cream. Right, if you want an ice cream, I want you to touch your head. If you want an ice cream, I want you to look this. If you want an ice cream, I want you to count to 10. If you want an ice cream, I want you to... Give your brother a hug and a kiss. If you want an ice cream, say, Mommy, I love you. I'll tell you what. We used to do that every day, all day. Do you know that my kids, they're at 19, we all went over to Europe this year. My daughter and I spent four weeks in Greece on our own. And then my son flew over and 19-year-olds, two of them, went to Croatia and uh, Hungary and Italy and Greece all on their own because they were trained to care. Yeah, that's good. You know, that's not the worst thing. And my daughter said, mom, if you train me this way, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. And I think as parents, you know, we always beat ourselves up on what our kids are really taking in. We train them. Yes. The Bible says train a child up the way they should go. And when they get older, they will never depart from it. And you wonder how much they retain. And until I saw my son saying some things that I've said to him, he was coaching his friend out of a situation using words that I had told him when I was coaching him out of the same situation. And I'm like, huh, that stuck. Okay, I'm doing something right. Well, I don't think you had to worry. We're a little bit older moms. I'm a little older than you, but I'll tell you what. The problem is when you don't get to teach your kids because you're holding down two and three jobs or you've got a partner that's abusive or you're just trying to live your life or you're so young that you don't even know what's going on. That's part of the problem of how we're raising children. There's no handbook. Yeah, and yeah. we are suffering from a society that, you know, if prices keep going up like this, you will not be able to not have two and three jobs. How do you raise your babies? So I'm nervous for what is the future because there's a lot of things that we're not taught, that we're not taught in school. We're not taught how to be human. I wasn't even taught how to balance a checkbook, certainly not really taught how to raise a child. I was taught how not to break an egg for 24 hours. That was the baby teaching. Don't crack the egg. That sure was it. That definitely was not the only thing you had to do with your children is yeah. keep them alive. Newsflash, I dropped one of my babies. They're fine. They don't break like eggs. <laughs> they didn't die. They're That's fine. good. And to your point, you know, we wear so many hats, especially as single parents. And I, I definitely was a single parent. I found myself at one point just uh, going through a divorce, working two jobs, raising three kids and putting myself through college all at the same time. Wow. And I always tell my kids, I had to do it. The job said, I'm still here. I've been at the same job for like 17 years, worked around, you know, it's a, it's a huge corporation. So I've, 
I've been through different uh, business units within the same umbrella. Um, but they said, hey, we're not promoting you unless you get a degree. So there were some sacrifices that I had to make. And I did miss out on some things. But once I got that degree and I saw what my kids were doing while I was a little distracted, I had to really step back and say, okay, let's get you back on the plan. And then now they're teenagers. And so you fight so hard as parents to fight with society. And one of the things I, I try to do is I try to sell how parenting looks <laughs> to my kids. You guys don't come with a manual. This is what I'm experiencing. Let me tell you how this looks from my lenses. Well, let me tell you how this looks from my end. Because you're the kid, you know? And then now I get to watch them be parent. I get to watch them use the same techniques, you know, that they thought were so horrible back then. And I'm like, see, I was trying to pitch parenting to them when they were younger and say, well, this is what I have to do because I'm a parent. These are the things that I do because I'm a parent. I have to push you out or I have to pull you back or I have to teach you this or society will get you. Education is important. Being respectful is important because being respectful will get you into a lot of rooms. You know, do your homework. You don't know if you're going to meet somebody for the first time. If you know anything about them, make sure you know everything you need to do. If you're going to plan a trip to go to a different country, study on the country. See what their social norms are. See if a handshake means something or if you need to bow, you know. So I think we need the course because I don't think a lot of moms have the time to do this or have thought about it or had anybody do it for them. Yeah, my mother was different. We're a little estranged, but... That's a story for another time. So I want to circle back a little bit because I want to touch on your craft. Okay. You are the queen of pitch. So walk us through the foundation of what makes up the perfect pitch. Pitching is a verbal communication designed to get a yes so that you can get anything and everything you want. Now, if you buy into that principle, life is very different. Here's what most people do when they go to pitch somebody. Hi, well, my name is Forbes Riley, and I'm da 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 Okay, first of all, I don't know where you saw that, what used car salesman you're ascribing to, <laughs> but I've been pitching you since the minute we got on here. My pitch to you, what did I want? I wanted you to like me. I wanted your audience to be intrigued by me. I think I did a pretty good job. That was a very conscious decision. I'm pitching, right? right. We're pitching on the idea that it's important to be a great mom. I'm pitching people to fall in love with themselves. I'm very aware of that I'm not talking for myself. I've heard my stories. I am speaking so that your audience is moved and motivated. You and I had a conversation that all of a sudden you're talking about being a mom and some of the things that I love what I learned. When you've got a product or a service and you want someone to buy it from you, don't tell them they need it. And this goes with kids too. Don't tell anybody, well, you know what? You really need this brown pen or you really need this. That's how people sell it. I've got this great water bottle and you need it because it keeps things cold. <laughs> First of all, no one ever bought anything they needed. They buy things they want. And so if I told you that you sitting there all day long at a desk and I don't know, but I don't really like lukewarm water. It tastes bad, but it sits in my cup. I'll tell you what, for a couple of extra dollars, this thing is unbelievable because it actually, when you put cold in it, it makes it colder. When you put hot, it makes it hotter. And I haven't even told you the name of it. I'm going to make you want this so bad. And I'm not even going to show it to you again until you want it. I'm going to make your mouth drool. That's a pitch. People say to me, Forbes, you know, you're so good, you can sell ice to Eskimos. I said, that's where you got it wrong. That's where everyone's got it wrong. I would never sell ice to an Eskimo. They don't need it. You know what they want? 
They want firewood and blankets and walruses. <laughs> exactly. Uh, They're already cold. Right. But no one ever thinks about that. And I, I understand the joke, but the point is that I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I have, I, and I have techniques. Now, here's the thing too. You cannot teach what I know, pitching, like you cannot teach swimming. You can't learn to swim from a book. Can you? You can't learn to swim from a book. You got no, to get You have to get in the water. So even though I tell people all the steps to do this, I've been saying, talking to you for a long time, practicing it, getting an environment where you can test drive it, because I discovered that even if you knew all the right answers in pitching, as soon as you get nervous, you revert back to the same stuff that doesn't work. I also incorporate in my perfect pitch the idea of a springboard story. The idea, so if I asked you, what do you do, Noreen, what do you say? For a living or yeah. with the podcast? I don't know. Just what do you do? Well, currently I am trying to start my podcast company. <laughs> I'm not <Okay>. prepared. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. But you need to be prepared. Not a joke. Number one, in my world, if you say the word trying, you have to do five push-ups. You know why? I don't care what you're trying to do. You're either doing it or you're failing. Yes. You see, and when you fail and you own up to it, you get a lesson. No, 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 but I try. I don't care what you tried to do. In my world, you are not allowed to say trying. You are currently developing a podcast. But the next question I would hit you with, and I'm relentless, and you're going to hear it at seven o'clock on this phone. I am relentless because it's for your own good. Why did you answer the question? I already know you're on a podcast. We're on that podcast. So when you answer the question, what do you do? It's a door open to do say whatever you want. Here's what you shouldn't say. Oh my God, I do so many things. What do you want to know? I don't want to know anything. I want you to know what I want you to know. So right. the other thing, and I'll leave you all with this because I'm so sorry that I do have to run. We may have to do part two. What do you think? Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm not putting to a part two. I've got a piece of paper here, right? One piece of paper in my hand. Miss Noreen, do you want to see something cool? Yes. How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> That's the secret of the perfect pitch. I know the answer before I ask the question. I'm not talking for my own sake. I'm talking so there's some woman out there who's never heard a powerful woman like me speak before that she's inspired. That's why I'm talking to you, not for myself. I know the reverence that I bring when I make certain points and go, wow, God, she was an ugly, awkward little girl who's made millions. I think I could do that too. That's what's important. Yes. You answered the question because you were being truthful. I don't really care what you do. I care what you can do for me. And I don't mean me. Anyone mm -hmm. who ever asks you that question doesn't really care. They care how they can intersect with you. Is there an opportunity here? So if you just say, I sell real estate, what? Or yes, if you yes. said, hey, as somebody who grew up, the mother of a, I was grew up a single mom, our house, we rented our house, our landlord was creepy. I always wanted to own my own house. You know what I do now? I do single family, first time buyers. If you know somebody, I'm their best friend. Okay. That's a very different pitch. That is. And when you can do that, Anytime, every time you make more money, you get further ahead in life and everything changes. So I teach this relentlessly. A couple of things I'm going to give you guys. One, every other week, I used to do this every week, but I'm, I'm too tired. WWW Ask Forbes Riley is a free two-hour Zoom training that I do. You go to it. In fact, I'll make it easy. Just go to ForbesRiley.com. Okay. ForbesRiley.com. There are free gifts. There's all my social media. There's Clubhouse. Uh, there's the big pitch party on December 2nd that we're doing. I'm going to put this little thing in here. I still have a, if you have some friends, I have a couple of really cool sponsorship opportunities. We're going to be doing something I've never wanted to do before. I have a thing called the perfect pitch. It's one minute to millions. It is, the, it's, 
about 12 lines of this template that when you nail it, you'll be able to record this, send it out. It comes off as the perfect pitch for you anytime, anywhere. Oh, that's awesome. Seven hours. I've got 15 people doing it. I've got three or 400 people watching it. I've got sponsors. It's going to be amazing. And everybody who shows up gets that. It's a $297 value. You don't pay nearly that. Just saying. Yeah, that's good. And you know what? I had my answer. You caught me all off guard. I got all discombobulated. We got five more minutes. Yeah. Let me tell you what my pitch is. Go ahead. Go ahead. My name is Noreen Foy, and I am the host of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Nope, 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 nope. nope. I don't don't want to know. No, start a sentence. Here's why I don't want to know that. And this is the funniest thing. Remember I said you can't say. No, no, Not even if I'm just meeting you for the first time? It's not what you want to say. Oh, okay. You're telling me what you do. I don't want to know what you do. I want to know something more. And you have the ability. This is why I teach this. Noreen, what'd you do before this? Your mom, you have a couple of things that you've done. What if you start your pitch with the word as? What happens? As someone who? Hey, Noreen, what do you do? You know, Forbes, as someone who? Go. Well, as someone who loves to talk to women for a living and empower them to share their stories of survival to success, I empower them that way. No, no, I have a, I have a podcast. I'd love to have you on as a guest. Boom, done. Yes, we go home. Yes. See the difference? I do. I do. It's, and that's why you're the queen. It's worth, I love that. It's worth practicing. It's worth, it's, I'll tell you the value to this, the power it gives you is extraordinary. And I'm on this planet right now for as long as I am to have people step into their own power, their grace, their voice, make the most of their life and make my parents proud of all of us. Yes. And I know you have to go. So I know your crown is heavy. So close us out and just um, give the ladies some advice, whether it be in fitness, in pitching, or just um, in business. Oh, yeah. And by the way, don't forget, I do have an amazing product, which is why I look the way I do. I created a thing called the Spin Gym. If you've never seen it, you have no idea why I've sold two and a half million of these things. But at 62, I've got super sexy arms. I don't get to go to the gym. I sit in the Zoom room, and this is what I do. I'm already deciding to get one because uh, I just hit the big M word. Oh, baby, I got you. This comes in pink, blue, purple for Christmas. It's a great thing. I will share that link with you guys. It's also on that ForbesRiley.com. Here's the thing. You get one line. If you do it right, once will be enough. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you're going to live a life full of regrets. So I want to hear amazing women start saying, I'm enough. I'm beautiful. I'm amazing just the way I am. I love my wrinkles. I love my little stretch marks because this is the body that I get. If I want it to be different, I can change it. But today, looking in that mirror, I want to give you permission to love on you the way you think you want someone else to. And let that be the most amazing relationship ever where you can look at yourself and go, girl, you did it. And happiness is not about how much money is in the bank or how tiny your waist is or how big your breasts are. And if it is, we got to talk. Well, because true happiness is about finding purpose, accomplishing things, finishing is happiness. Helping a kid could be happiness. Find your worth in here first. And then I promise you everything else gets easier. Well done. Sage advice. Thank you so much for gracing me and humbling me with your presence. And I hope to talk with you soon. I can't wait. I will see you in Clubhouse, you guys. Thank you so, so very much. I Sister girl, you gotcha. I gotcha. All right. Bye. Peace and blessings.
Thank you for joining this episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Hopefully you found it to be inspiring and you've received great information you can use in your daily life. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your sis some love by subscribing on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review. We're on Instagram at SaveOurSisters underscore 2020 and check out our YouTube page. If you would like to continue the conversation, join our Save Our Sisters group on Facebook. Until next time, sis, and remember to love yourself.